Welcome back to another episode. In this episode today, I have with me a holistic nutrition coach, Shelby. She teaches women about the ingredients to reduce bloat, the ingredients that's in our foods so that you can not only reduce your belly bloating, but you can have more energy too. I'm really looking forward to our our conversation so that we can really dig into how whole foods are the best and you know how you can begin reading food labels, making smarter decisions to avoid the belly bloating that a lot of us suffer with. So let's get into it. Hi, Shelby. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. What time is it uh, where you are? Four. Four. Okay. A little bit of a time difference. 8 p.m. here. So, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, a little bit later. But I've already done your intro. So you are a holistic nutrition coach. I think that I'm excited just because of the topic of whole foods. And I mean, belly bloating is something a lot of us women suffer from, right? Yes. And we there's so many potential causes. A lot of the time we don't know where it's coming from or we're just always bloated so that we don't think that there's any ways to really improve it. Yes. Right? Very accurate. <laughs> Yeah. So let's dig into like, obviously we're going to get to the eventual of like how we can read labels, what we can kind of look for to reduce bloating. But if you don't mind, um, let's dig into it right away and just talk about what you do, what you do when you're working with women to help them um, really first start off at looking at the overall picture. What do they begin to start with? Like their food choices, where should you begin? So I always start with mindset and I have two different ways. I work with people. I work one-on-one with clients and then I also have an online course and it doesn't matter if you speak to me face-to-face or if you do my self-paced course, we always start with mindset. And the reason being is because you can make all the changes in the world. You can clean up your diet. You can exercise. You can sleep well. You can get your hormones in check. But if your stress and your mindset is not aligned with what it is you want to achieve physically, mentally, emotionally, nothing's going to go well. And I don't say that to be a downer, but it's just your mindset, it lays the foundation for everything. So I always start my clients there because like I said, you know, if let's say they want to lose weight, I, most of my clients come to me initially wanting to lose weight. I want to lose 10 pounds. Okay, well, where is your mindset right now? Are you constantly looking in the mirror and telling yourself how you're a fat piece of shit? Or like, are you trying to actively align your mind to your goals and telling yourself that you're healthy, you're happy, you're worthy, you know? So mindset is number one. I couldn't agree more. And I I have the (laughs) same thing in my program, like the very first step, because even if you're like approaching workouts, like if you go into it thinking, this sucks. It's going to be terrible. It does suck. And it is terrible. Like your perspective on how you're approaching all of these changes, especially hard changes, like changing your diet, beginning an exercise program, you have to go into it with the approach and the mindset of like, I'm going to, yeah, there's going to be hard parts, but I'm going to make the most of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And exercise is the same way. You know, I would say I've worked out and been active my whole life, but it wasn't until my 
mid to late 20s where I am now that I actually started to align my mind to those movements. You know, growing up, it was like, okay, I got my 60 minutes in, let's go have a drink. And now it's like, okay, my mind wants to be here. I know why I'm here. I'm listening to my body. I'm like fine tuning my movements and it's just changed everything. Oh my gosh. I totally agree. And I'm the same way. I've played sports. I've loved the exercise piece for a long time, but that doesn't mean that there wasn't stages where I had an unhealthy relationship with it. Meaning over-exercising saying, yes, you can eat the whole box of donuts. So healthy. Right. But now I'm at a place where it's like, yeah, it's a feeling, right? It's not, you're working out because it's for the number on the scale to, or to lose weight in that unhealthy mindset and place. Instead, it's like, I know I don't feel like this, but I'm going to feel so much better after it. I do need the movement and doing it for those right reasons. Yes. And I love that you said it's a different feeling. I was just thinking the other day how, you know, sometimes you can order out and you can get meal deliveries and you can order all the healthiest stuff in the world, but there's just such a different feeling and energy when you make it yourself. It's just a totally different vibration. I totally agree. Yes. And same with the approach of like, yeah, obviously with your regards to your food, but (laughs) the same thing of like, you have to kind of learn to enjoy the process yourself, right? Whatever approach it is you're doing. Yes. And that's why, and that's what keeps people wanting and having the same goal for 10 plus years because they're not enjoying it. It's like, yeah, okay, you can lose 10 pounds, but if you didn't enjoy the process to get there, all those habits that got you there are going to go out the window. You're going to gain them right back. And then you're going to do the same cycle over and over and over again until you figure out how to enjoy that process. Right. What is that 10 pounds actually going to give you? Because that's the feeling that you should be striving for rather than the result. Right. Because I'm sure you've probably known as well, like you could be at that different size, but you don't feel any healthier. You don't feel any happier. You're constantly thinking about food. You're over exercising. Like that's not a healthy way. Yes, you may be 10 pounds lighter, but not necessarily healthier version of yourself. Yes. And I was just telling someone the other day that we have this idea, especially now that social media is practically our social life, that you think the way someone looks is the the determining factor of what their health is like. And it is so far from the truth. I think I would even argue to say most fitness influencers are the unhealthiest people we know because of the way that they treat your, their body, like uh, just object. Yeah. Doing it for, yeah, the wrong reasons that end up causing us more harm than good. Like for me, I, I was in that mindset of like all or nothing. Like I had to be perfect because that's the only way to, get to my goals, to get to that perfect place that I thought everybody else was at. But that actually hurt me more because it's not attainable. It's not even possible, right? So I had to start striving for, okay, this is where I'm at. All I can do is just aim for a little bit of progress, right? And pointing towards like what makes me healthier rather than what makes me say smaller or look (laughs) differently, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like you said, it's those little gains that get you to where you want to be. But most people want, you know, the fast track, they want overnight success. And that's just, that's where the cycle starts and ends over and over every day. Yeah. Cause we, they try to, I'm going to say we, just cause I've done it before myself too. <laughs> like, especially with our diet where it's so over confused, how often 
is it we're like, okay, we don't know what we should be changing and we don't want to change these certain things of that we're eating or doing. So let's change everything and just hope that it sticks. Right. But that's not sustainable either. And then you have no idea what worked and what didn't work. It's so much harder to actually do the hard work of saying, okay, shoot, I should eat more vegetables. (laughs) Ah, I'm, I'm skipping meals, right? Like do the hard choices that are actually kind of small actions, but get you so much further than changing everything all at once. Yeah. And that's actually a big change I even had to make as a coach. You know, when I first started nutrition coaching, I put myself in this box that I have to tell people what and how to eat. And I quickly died out. I I was like, Oh, maybe this isn't for me. I really don't enjoy this. And my client, as soon as they're done with me, they're falling back to their old ways. Like what is wrong? So when I was able to step back and really look at like, okay, wait, why am I, why do I want to be a nutrition coach? And what is it that helped me get to the point that I'm at in my health journey that I want to give to others? And it wasn't telling people what to eat or how to eat, but it was empowering them and educating them on what type of food they're eating that's affecting their goals. You know, I could tell someone all day, Hey, eat this chicken sausage versus that one. But if they don't know why they're just going to end up one day being at the grocery store and being like, well, that one's 30 cents cheaper. I don't even see the big difference. Let's go with that one. And all those little ingredients that people don't pay attention to, which is actually the reason they can't lose those 10 pounds or have a better mood or sleep better, just start to creep their way back into their life. So I'm all about the empowerment of, you know, the, the micro details versus the why and the how, because it'll make a bigger impact. A hundred percent. And it's like, you are helping really in a smaller way, but it's a way more impactful way. Right. Because Mm -hmm. I'm, I love that you shared that with me just because I did the same similar thing when I (laughs) started out, I was like, I know that this doesn't even work for me, but this is what I'm (laughs) supposed to. And this is what they think that they want. They Mm -hmm. want the meal plan. They want the basic program, but I'm like, you're not learning anything. And yes, I'm helping you while I'm working with you, but I want to help you for months and months. I don't expect you to work with me forever, (laughs) right? How can I create a program or teach them while I'm working with them why it is that they need that food? You know, how can they make it their own? Because that's the key to being able to, to truly understand it for yourself and sustain it. Yeah. And that's so funny. You said, you know, you don't want people to work with you forever. I had a um, consultation recently with a woman and I told her, you know, I tell this to everyone. I don't want you to need me after we're time we're done together. I want our time to be done. And you say, I never need her again. I know what I need to know now. And she was like, well, that's not a very smart business decision. <laughs> I thought that my business is to make you feel and look better forever. Not just the time we're together, you know? I love that. And it's so true. <laughs> I've said the same thing so many times. I'm like, what is the point? Because I've even worked with trainers myself, even though I've been doing this for so long. And that was the same thing. It was like, okay, I'm not learning anything. You're giving me (laughs) this, but it's not teaching me anything. Right. And then that doesn't give you the tools or maybe they're teaching you something during, but then, okay, you've reached your goal. See you later. It's like, Mm -hmm. what do I do now? How do I transition? How do I put all of the tools that you just gave me to be able to actually, uh, you know, sustain, sustain all this progress too? 
Yeah. And I always tell people up front, I say, you know, I'm not your overnight success coach. I'm going to work with you day by day. And you're going to feel like the first month that nothing's changing and you'll have to look at, you know, our progress. And I track my um, clients progress in a different way than most people. You know, I ask about their sleep and their energy and their mood for the first while. So they can see, even though they may not see it beyond the, the scale just yet. Yes, exactly. They have to look beyond the scale, at least in the beginning, even if, you know, eventually that's something that they are interested in, which, you know, if people work with me one-on-one, they generally quickly get over that. <laughs> but yeah, because it's the stuff in the beginning. People. Yeah. And in the beginning, like, especially I've worked with when I'm working with women, I'm like, okay, take progress photos. The first four weeks, you're not going to see a whole lot, but that's because so much is happening on the inside first, right? Mm -hmm. And that adds up and you'll eventually see it on the outside as long as you stick it out, right? And take the time to do those gradual steps. Yeah. And I think I would assume just from like knowing a little bit about your story that the reason you and I probably feel that way is because I definitely spent years where... I felt great and I looked terrible or I felt terrible or I felt great and I looked terrible or vice versa. And it's just, you kind of like are fighting with yourself and people tell you, you look so great. And you're like, I'm miserable or, you know, you feel great and people are hinting that you should work out more, do something different. And it's like, why, why can't they align? So when you finally figure out, you know, what it is that you're putting in your body, just as much as it, what you're surrounded by, it finally starts to kind of fall in place, but it takes a while. It does to find out what is working for you. I mean, I've wasted so many years. I would have loved to have my program a couple of years ago, but <laughs> yes. you kind of have to figure out like what doesn't work for you as much as what does. Right. And that's mm-hmm. why, obviously, when you do have a coach or you do have a program, you learn that trial and error much quicker. Right. Yeah. But even so, you still have to kind of figure out, like, test out what time of day to work out that you enjoy and then stick with it or, you know, figure out that. And then with your food, we're all eating different things. Like, the very first step of my program is like to get people to assess what they're eating, not to be critical, not to shame yourself or feel guilty, but like, how the hell am I supposed to tell you what to eat if you have no idea what you're eating right yet? Exactly. It's just that honesty step because everybody kind of has their own starting point on maybe they need a bit more protein. Maybe they need some more vegetables. You don't know what your kind of first step needs to be until you really look at the whole picture. And I would say like most things, that first step is really hard for people. I've had clients who were like, I don't want to do my food log. I can't look at it. And that's obviously hard as a coach because that's somewhere that we really make the changes, but I get it. You know, it's hard to confront your decisions that you've just continued to do year after year after year after decade. So looking at that and realizing that you're what's stopping you from achieving your goals is really difficult. So when that does happen with clients, I, I go back to feeling, okay, if you're not ready to look at your mindset, yes, let's look at how you're feeling. So based on what you ate today, where was your energy? Where was your focus? Where was, you know, we go from there because then they can start to see, oh, okay, well, I know what I ate that day and I know how I felt that day. Wasn't great. (laughs) Yeah. I even like 
coach clients through cheat meals and just going out for meals that like take out things. Cause that's something that you're going to do. And um, maybe not as frequent as you're doing it in the beginning, but you're still going to do it on occasions. So yes. go out, experience what your body feels like after these foods. And it's not that you need to guilt yourself or shame yourself, but kind of learn from it. Like notice mm-hmm. how bloated you got, right? How did you, how tired were you that night? You don't yeah. need to shame yourself because you overate, but maybe next time you'll make like a tiny bit of a healthier decision, but still, you know what I mean? Have a healthier balance and still work towards again, a healthier balance overall. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck because they, and going back to bloating, like you mentioned, you know, I, I mean, I remember growing up when I was still in the food confusion cycle, it, to me, it was like, everything makes me bloated. Everything makes me feel bad. So what does it matter? You know, if I eat the good, healthy thing versus the junk thing. So it's, it's a really hard thing to endure on your own. Like you said, I wish I had my program like a few years ago. It's hard to do by yourself because you have to do all the trial and error. You have to do all the research. You have to do all the experiments. And it's like, it's so much easier to just have someone guide you. Yeah. Cause even our diet culture and the food labels, like nothing, none of that makes it easier for us to understand and simplify healthy eating. Right. 100%. We think and all these healthier products do come out, like even protein bars. Like I've been struggling. I'm, I'm almost cleared up now with my acne and it was my hormones imbalance. And I've had to take out a lot of things out of my, my diet and I was eating good, but I was eating too much of the healthier foods, like totally. pro, right? Like the protein yeah. bars and things that were causing my skin to break out. And then it really put like the light on how, these foods were affecting me, right? Mm -hmm. These sneaky ingredients that they put in our foods that we have no idea are causing havoc and causing this bloat. Yeah. And I I would say my like gateway food product that got me into reading labels was almond milk. I thought I was doing the right thing for my body. You know, I was thought I was lactose intolerant, thought almond milk was healthier, thought it was better for the environment. So I was like, I'm doing a great thing. Little did I know that's what was causing partially my chronic bloat. It was all those sneaky little ingredients hidden in almond milk that just wreak havoc on the gut, which then of course, as you know, you know, affects your mood, your skin, your sleep, your attention span, everything. So it really is the like, the healthy products that people just start to give up. They're like, even the good stuff makes me feel bad. Forget it. (laughs) Well, that's where I find I, I want to like, I really want to stress. And this is why I do what I do because I feel like there's such a balance. And I hate that there is that like stretch from all or nothing. Like, you know, some people are like, okay, yes. But if I, you know, I eat this salad, then there's everyone's, you know, there's so much fat in it. Like I feel bad about eating this salad. Do you know what I mean? Like they're struggling because they're like, I'm trying, I'm trying Mm -hmm. to eat the lower fat, like labels. I'm really trying to make healthier choices, but I've done, did the same thing and it can cause your overeating or like nighttime binging or things like that, like to get worse, right? Because you're trying to like cut back eat less, all these labels still make you crave more sugar. And it's a real struggle of like, how the frig do you make progress without being perfect without, you know? Yeah. That big gap. 
we try and put ourselves and others in a box of like what you can or should and shouldn't eat. I can't tell you how many times people will kind of make, you know, and I don't, I know they're not trying to be mean, but they'll make sly remarks like, oh, Shelby's not going to eat that or Shelby wouldn't eat that. And it's like, I can eat whatever I want because I know, you know, what it's going to do to me. And if I'm willing to take that risk or, you know, I eat well, I would say not even 80, 20, but like 90, 10 in my life. So if that, if that cake is calling to me at my best friend's birthday, like let's eat it. (laughs) When it makes sense. Exactly. Exactly. And it took you a while to get up to that stage. It wasn't like a flick of the switch and you decided. Oh oh, yeah. I would say 15 years. (laughs) It takes time because what happens then is like, as you're gradually not eating it as much, or you're gradually eating more of the good whole foods, your body doesn't crave those super natural, unnatural flavors that were in our processed foods as much. Yeah. It's crazy how much our taste buds have just been hijacked by all of these fake flavors, fake food, artificial ingredients. It's wild. And that's why I always do a sugar detox with my clients because I'm like, you don't even know how much sugar you're eating. You don't even know how much you love it. And then we do sugar detox. And the week after they're like, Shelby, I couldn't even finish this sweet drink. I couldn't even do this or that. And it's like, you don't realize how messed up we've become because we're not eating real food. Even our fruit is different than it used to be. Yeah. And like, you're right. It's a tolerance that gets built up too, right? Like when I thought I was healthy, even when I was pregnant, I was like eating popsicles almost every single day. Like (laughs) now I can't even imagine having one in like a month. Like, do you know what I mean? But it took so long to gradually take out the sauces, take out the the processed foods and, and work up to a place like that. Now, again, when you're you're thinking about the feeling that these foods give you, you're noticing how they've made you feel in the past, you're more likely to not eat them because of those reasons, not because they're going to make you gain weight, not because of any of those unhealthy reasons that I'm sure you felt before too, right? Mm -hmm. It's a different feeling and a different reasoning when you do it for those right reasons. Yes, totally or healthier reasons, I should say. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about, can you tell us a little bit about like your gluten experience with regards to, yeah, like how you kind of looked at gluten, what, I would love to know a little bit more about that. Yeah, it's actually a funny story, not funny at the time, but so I had stomach issues since elementary school. I would go to the office every single day. I would go to my principal. My stomach hurts. I really don't feel well. I really like to call my mom. And it's interesting because I would always have those stomach aches after lunch. But what they correlated with was Shelby doesn't like Spanish class. So every day before Spanish class, she says her stomach hurts. And it's like, wait, no, this is after lunch, you guys. This isn't before Spanish class. So I just kind of started to like, just be quiet because no one really believed me. And of course, you know, my parents heard me and saw it, but they didn't know what to do. And I don't fault them for that. But I just kind of started to keep it to myself. I just started to wear baggy clothes. Like I'm bloated. I'm petite too. So it was kind of silly to have this big belly of mine. And I continue to have stomach aches throughout 
middle school and high school is when I really started to, you know, kind of talk to my parents, like we need to figure something out. Cause I, I've just started to like deal with this. And now it's really affecting me because you know, high school, you're, you want to wear tighter clothes and go in the pool parties and all that stuff. So I was like, we got to figure this belly out. <laughs> and I saw allergists, gastro surgeons, hormone specialists, like you name it. I saw everyone and no one could tell me anything. Um, so my mom and I started to just kind of take it into our own hands. She was like, you know what, Shelby, I started to see a lot of people, um, start cutting out grains and gluten and the issues that it sounds like you've been having kind of go away. We've got nothing to lose. Let's try it. I was like, I'll try anything at this point. Let's do it. And even as, you know, a young college student, cutting out gluten doesn't really sound ideal, you know, beer, pizza, French fries. <laughs> so I was like, okay, but I'm willing to try anything. Within four days of being gluten-free, I felt like a new person. I felt like this veil of fogginess just lifted. And I was like, that's a hundred percent it. It's I'm, I'm a new person. I felt more energized. I was sleeping better. I dealt with insomnia in high school. Like that's not normal. And so that went away. I was awake and alert. I was just, I was a completely different person. And so for me, that was worth it enough. You know, I would occasionally in the beginning, I would go back like, okay, well I can have a sandwich, a healthy sandwich. And I just felt like crap the rest of the week. So I started to learn. Okay. Actually wasn't worth it. It was not worth it. And so I quickly learned, okay, this is my life. This is what makes me feel good. And that kind of also, you know, ignited my feel good journey. You know, what, what makes me feel and act and perform my best. Um, So that was kind of my gluten journey. And when I started to kind of dive down the rabbit hole of gluten and why it's different here versus Europe. So I went to Italy for two weeks with my dad and sister and I ate almost everything there and felt fine. I wasn't as bloated. I mean, of course I wasn't, you know, perfect, but I was, wasn't nearly as bloated or bedridden as I would have been back in the States. So I started to like question, you know, why is that? What's going on with our food? And I've just never come out from that rabbit hole. <laughs> it's always a research project. You're, you're you and yourself, right? Learning what yeah. our foods are. And I'm a type one diabetic, so I don't eat a lot of grains or anything like that either, just because my sugars are, it's not worth it. Yes. It's not no. terrible for you. It's a healthy option. It's just, again, it's, it's not worth that. But the reason yeah. I wanted to ask you about it is um, my stepdaughter, she is the same thing. She's had digestion issues now for years. And I've been gradually decreasing, like taking things out of her diet. And she's, she's only six. So it's really challenging because she does want to go have ice cream or like, you know, like deserves a few treats every now and then, but she just, she can't have them. Like she is so sick and it's not worth it. So what I've been doing recently is what I do with my clients. And it's, it's not an unhealthy way, but like just educating her in that, like, like, see, this is what happens when we eat these foods. Like it's okay that you had a treat, but it's not really worth it that we're having these treats because you're in the bathroom the whole night, right? Like you don't want to be missing out with hanging out with your friends because you're feeling like this or like, just again, like 
noticing when she's getting bloated, trying to keep notice of what foods are reacting with her. And Mm -hmm. I really feel that everybody should do this to kind of like, it's not to say you're not going to eat another donut or, you know, never have pizza with your friends or whatever. But the more you can kind of make notice of the foods that are, even if they're a healthier food or version, like make notice of how they're making you feel. Are you exhausted afterwards? Right. Do you feel hungrier? Did it, you know, your sugars spike, like what kind of reaction did you have after you're eating these foods? Yeah. And I would say, I mean, of course, when you know, when you cut out gluten and you feel a hundred times better, that's definitely, you know, a factor. But for me, when I look back, it was this perfect storm of stress. You know, my parents were getting divorced. I was an angsty teenager. I was on hormonal birth control. I was eating things I shouldn't have been. So it was like this, these multiple factors that were just contributing and like bogging me down and just making me feel my worst, you know? So I, when people come to me, Hey, should I cut out gluten? It's like, it's not black and white like that. You know, Are are you happy? Are you prioritizing your mental health? Are you exercising? Are you getting sunlight? Are you, you know, look at all these things before you just blame it on bread and cut it out and then feel the same way in a week or so, you know? I love that you said that because that's really true. And when I mentioned like my hormonal acne, it was the same thing. It was like, I took out, I didn't just look at one picture or I didn't just try to get like pills to fix it and put like a bandaid. It was like, okay, you are having a lot of artificial sugars. Let's, let's <laughs> decrease that down. Let's try to drink more natural water. Let's look at the whole picture, right? Oh, you haven't been sleeping. Oh, your sugar levels have been a little higher. Like there's so many factors and it's not to overwhelm you or not to scare you further, but just look at all of them because you can kind of improve your sleep a little bit. You can make kind of tiny changes in multiple areas and yes. that can really impact that one change even further. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. When I looked back at like certain periods or seasons of my life where things were worse, it's like, oh yeah, you know, my parents all of a sudden weren't living under the same roof. I was going through a breakup. I was transitioning to college at a school. I didn't know if I even wanted to be at like, you know, there's all these stress factors, which again, goes back to why mindset is so important that it affects everything. Even, you know, eating foods that are good for you, or, you know, that your body is okay with, but if you're stressed, if you're eating in a stressed state, your body's not prepared to digest that food. Exactly. Yeah. Looking at all the factors and Yeah. Just looking at it in almost like a logical um, approach sometimes. Like, again, I kind of, yeah, just because like you want to think of it in a healthy way and something I kind of do to keep it simple is like, you know, like try to think of like, is that a healthier decision or is it an unhealthier decision? Right. Like, are you, even if it's something like you're eating junk and you're gradually trying to not eat this junk as much, right. Mm -hmm. Try to sit down. I always use the analogy of, um, like a vector cereal or something that you would snack on in your cupboard like this, right. Instead of hiding and standing up in your cupboard, sneaking it, like pour it in a bowl and sit like, yes, it's not a healthy option. It's not great, but it's a healthier way to eat that and control that portion. Then you feel satisfied. You ate it. You can move on. Right. Yeah. It's so funny you say that because now, again, going back to my high school days, I loved eating standing up. 
I would brag like my favorite position to eat in is tree pose. And little did I know eating standing up is so bad for your digestion. So now like whenever I sit down, I'm like, everyone take three breaths. It'll help. (laughs) You're like, I'm used to this. I'm usually in my tree pose here. (laughs) No, you're right though. Like it's just a matter of like maybe even just shifting the way you're eating, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe not necessarily only looking at, because again, when it comes to weight loss, we always think I have to eat less. I have to eat less. Mm -hmm. Not always the case, but also maybe you don't have to decrease or swap things out. You just have to, you know, sit to eat the meal rather than shoving it in your face while you're in the car. Oh my gosh. Chew your food. I know it sounds so silly, but I spent years inhaling my food. My next bite was prepared before I even took the one before it. Like it's still a practice for me. It's so over (laughs) underrated. You can actually taste it. And I think that comes again to our processed foods and what we're actually eating because the highly processed foods are highly palatable in that, think about those Oreos, takes you four seconds to chew those up, right? Whereas a steak, you got to cut and then you got to chew and it's meant to be that way, right? Yeah, exactly. We have these teeth for a reason. Yeah, and think like, in terms of like a healthy meal, it's not that you can't have that pizza every now and then, but how quick can you eat the pizza? Cause there's not a lot of nutrition in it. That's why you probably are still hungry after you ate a couple pieces of it. Whereas mm-hmm. like, if you had some vegetables and a real whole <laughs> food, you, you gradually ate it a lot slower and you're definitely satisfied by the time you're done. Cause there's, there's actual nutrients in it too. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, all about tracking, you know, glucose spikes and all that. And people think it's just for diabetics that only you need to be concerned about it when it's so not true. Those unsteady spikes that people think never think about unless they're diabetic or have a diabetic family member don't realize that it can impact us as well, even if you don't have diabetes. So like I said, you know, before that pizza, having a salad with some, you know, vinegar dressing or even some greens before you feed yourself all of that, you know, it'll really help to reduce that spike. It won't be perfect. You know, it's, you're still consuming food, but you're not going to get that extreme high and extreme low that causes fatigue and moods and hormone imbalances and being hungry 20 minutes later. Exactly. Okay. You nailed the hit, like nailed all. It was what I was going (laughs) to say. It was the feelings too, right? Because we all experience it. Think about, and I love to use this analogy just because I really feel we can all relate on this. Think about a time when you've had like a very high sugar breakfast. You went out for breakfast, you got those waffles with all the sugar and maple syrup and things. There's no way you didn't want to go home afterwards and have a nap because I've done it myself too. And it's just, you feel exhausted because it's such a high spike and then such a high drop afterwards, especially if there's no protein or any actual nutrients, like to satisfy you. The reason I eat vegetables is just because it fills you up. I I don't want to be hungry till my next meal. No. Gosh, I'm not a nice, hangry person by any means. <laughs> no, I try to sneak spinach or peppers wherever I can. Just it really fills you up. Obviously, protein does too, but mm. vegetables, they're just, they're really filling. And the bloating, if you want to decrease your belly bloating, vegetables are a very good place to start. 
That's so interesting. I had, I had a lot of issues still do with vegetables causing blow. And I actually talk about certain vegetables that do cause blow. Um, for me, it was switching. I was a self-declared vegetarian in my family. The only one, I don't know where I got it from. My entire family is a steak eating Roman Catholics. So like I was the black sheep for a while, but once I started to eat protein and focusing on protein, I, again, like, I, like when I found out about gluten, I was a new person all over again. Like I wasn't hungry every 20 minutes. I wasn't snacking. I wasn't moody or as moody, <laughs> um, or, you know, needing food often, but yeah, certain veggies can absolutely cause bloat that we, we get confused again because we think, okay, vegetables should be my, my ally in this journey. And even that's bothering me, but it all where you love like that. Yes. Yeah. And, but it's, it's crazy to, and I guess it, it, it totally relates to what we just talked about, how it's a healthy food and it's kind of making us question whether it is or not. And you're right. Especially that's why I recommend all only gradual changes always never yeah. going from, okay, I never eat vegetables to have three, like a huge serving with every single meal. You're going to notice a lot of bloating. But what I always like to say to my clients too, is like, you know, think of it in a healthy, logical sense. You're eating vegetables. It is making you healthier. So that yeah. bloating will subside, especially if you're eating more protein. That can do the same thing where it causes more unnatural bloating. But your body and your digestive tract always needs time, right? If we're yeah. eating highly processed foods all the time, it goes through mm -hmm. our gut like sandpaper, like gets rid of all the good gut bacteria. And yeah. When sometimes when that gut bacteria is repairing itself, it can cause a bit of bloating that, you know, can same thing with the, the vegetables. Yeah. And it also depends on your current state of your gut, like foods that are high in oxalic acid, like kale and Brussels sprouts. It's so funny whenever I say, you know, do those make you bloated? People go, oh my gosh, yes. Why? It's like, yeah, it, I get it. <laughs> Unless you're like steaming the hell out of them, they're going to be disruptive. So again, like it comes down to quality and process, you know, how is your food being processed? Is it being processed just with salt and water and steaming it? Or is it being processed, you know, by these seed oils and high heat and long shelf life, you know, what's the goal of your food and how is it getting from where it was grown to your body? Again, that's a trial and error. You kind of got to figure out too, right? Like you, if you're changed everything in your diet, you're not going to know that it was that vegetable or that food. Like you'll, you'll have no way to determine it. That's why if you gradually approach, you're like, oh, this is the new food I've been adding in. Okay. Mm -hmm. I know it's a healthy food. Maybe I can cook it a different way or, you know, there, then you can keep trying different methods in that sense. A hundred percent. Yeah. I'll try an error. It really yeah. is. You're supposed to know what doesn't work as just as much as what does as along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Let, last thing I definitely want to cover is like food labels. So one food labels are confusing. It sucks because they're allowed to put whatever they want in the labels. Sometimes they look and they make you believe that they are healthier, but for example, things that they take the fat out of. So milk, Everyone mm -hmm. thinks, okay, cow, first of all, we won't talk about how bad cow's milk is, but still some people drink it, or some people think that skim milk is the healthier alternative, 
right? Mm -hmm. But when they're taking out the fat, they're actually adding sugars in it in replace of it. So it doesn't necessarily make that product healthier, right? And same thing with like other packaged foods. Easily, you can look at the, the calories or it's not a lot of calories, but the ingredient list could be eight miles long of ingredients you can't even pronounce, right? Yeah. And I always tell people, you know, go for the full fat option. It's much better for you. People fear fat, but it's what our hormones thrive on. That's their fuel. Our hormones need fat. So I would much rather someone be eat, drinking or eating full fat yogurt and ditching all the non-dairy ones even because it has all those micronutrients and vitamins and minerals that we miss out on. So yeah, fat is a, a huge proponent of health. Yeah. And the more natural that you can make the food, meaning the less it has to be processed at all in the factories or things taken out and swapped out of the better for you it is. I The big thing that I always like to say is um, when you're reading these labels, the first three ingredients are really important. That's going to be the majority makeup of that food. So mm-hmm. if you pick up a label and you're like, eh, well, the calories are okay. Or, you know, how do else do I know that this is even healthy? Well, if you Mm -hmm. look at the ingredient list and the first one or the second ingredient is sugar, it should not be a good, it's not a good choice for you, period. Right. Any other suggestions that you teach your clients with regards to reading labels, how to kind of understand them a little bit more clear? Yeah. I mean, once you start to read labels and once you start to make that a practice of your grocery shopping, then we get into what each ingredient means. But what I really just tell people is, do you know what's on your label? Do you, can you read it and know exactly what it is? Like you look at a label and you see dates, you know what that is. But if you look at it and you see citric acid or, you know, all of these chemicals in there. It's like, do you really know what that is? And I love to use citric acid as an example, because most people think, oh, it's just citrus. It's like, actually, do you know where that's coming from? It's from moldy onions and moldy fruits and vegetables that they've chemically changed into citrus or citric acid. So it's not so black and white. It's like, can you tell me exactly what that is? Do you know what it looks like? Could you draw it on a piece of paper? If we are playing, uh, you know, charades, can you, can tell you even me what pronounce it? Like some yes, of the ingredients exactly. you're like, I can't even say it. Right. Exactly. Yes. And, and we're putting these in our body. Yeah, exactly. And just like you were going back to, you know, process with cow's milk. Yes. The, of cow's milk that you see in the store is not great, but raw milk in its natural form is incredible. I went from 30 years of being lactose intolerant to drinking a cup of raw milk every day and feeling great. And it's so packed with all of those micro minerals that we need. So it's all about process. It's all about quality. And really when you're looking at ingredients, just to make sure you can pronounce them and know what they are, truly know what they are, not recognize them, not maybe saw an influencer post about them, but like, do you know what it is? Yeah. And the first step, obviously, if you're not even looking at labels would be to just pick it up and be aware of it, right? <laughs> yes, just, yes. just start reading them. Cause even if you still buy that food item at first, when you pick it up the next time and look, you may reconsider and like, Again, it's a gradual practice, but 
so often we just see the front of it and it's like low this or low that or low calorie something. And you kind of just put it in your cart when again, it's so important to look at what's actually in that food. Yeah. And what is actually pretty scary about ingredient labels is you don't always get the full picture. I love throwing Oatly under the bus and their label is the perfect example because one of their first ingredients, it doesn't even tell you that actually they're oat base because the first ingredient is just oat base, but that oat base actually contains a sugar dextrose that they're not even putting on the label. So it's really misleading and people are really just we have to be our own advocate. We have to vote with our dollar and we really need to start paying attention to what it is we're consuming and how we're feeling and how those two choices and results have a play a part in each, each other. Absolutely. And just avoiding highly processed foods a little bit makes a big impact on your weight loss, on how you feel, on your bloating, right? Mm -hmm. All those things. If you're looking for a feeling and striving for a feeling, you do need to improve what's on your plate, right? It shouldn't Mm -hmm. always come from a box. It shouldn't come from the freezer, like, or take a restaurant all the time either, Mm -hmm. right? The more whole foods, the better you're going to feel, the more energy you're going to feel. Yes. And especially the less bloating that you're going to have. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Bloating is not fun. I get it. It's scary even at times because you don't know what's causing it, but really with the right guidance, you can absolutely take control of it. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Shelby. Let us know how our, how can the audience reach you? I will be putting some links below in the show notes, but do you have any free resources where, where, where should we connect with you? Yeah. So the best place to find me is on Instagram at Shelby Teresi. That's just S-H-E-L-B-Y-T-O-R-R-E-S-E. And you can sign up for my email list through there. And I send out an email every week, just kind of going over ingredients, recipes, what's been on my mind. It's kind of what I call my like weekly food for thought. And I just share more about what I've been doing and teaching. That's awesome. So we'll put that link below. Thank you for your time. Thank you for all the information that you gave us. It was really nice speaking with you. You too.